Cameron, now that you've become a professional chef in quarantine, spending all your time inside cooking up different experimental plates, do you believe that cooking will be a mainstay in your life more than going out once the quarantine's over. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I I cooked a lot anyways uh, before this. You know, I what's funny is I thought you were gonna ask um, uh, if if you thought that uh, anyone could cook. You know, from from Ratatouille, but uh, you know, whatever. whatever. Uh, missed opportunity, Isaac. Um, yeah, no. Ratatouille is like Ratatouille is like the last thing I want to think about. Really? Why? Ratatouille is a great movie. Uh, it takes place in France, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that aside, <laughs> yeah, that's Rat- his biggest flaw, right? Rat- yeah, that's. I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I I already cooked a lot actually. Um, uh, but I think I think I'm gonna be more experimental. I mean, it's been really nice because um, I'm staying with my parents and I don't have to buy my food, and so that's been really nice. I can like experiment with with stuff that I wouldn't normally eat you know um or i wouldn't normally like like have the confidence to cook but today i made or yes okay yesterday i made salsa um it was incredible it was it was it it was it was like seriously uh an incredible salsa i just want to put it out there (laughs) it's really good Um, for everyone listening they all missed out yeah you did maybe maybe try to make salsa yourself it's really it's super easy do you do you want to know how to learn isaac well, can I can I explain to you why I'm afraid of actually trying to make salsa? Yeah, it why? all comes down to this idea that tomatoes are impossible to cut unless you have like a diamond blade. Like if you're trying <laughs> to cut tomatoes, they just don't cut, and I don't understand how some of these like pico de gallo salsas get like these these little like perfect squares. And I think mm. it's because they're not using like normal tomatoes. I think they're using like a a like a smaller tomato that has like more like less liquid and seeds and more like uh I don't know how to say that like bone. I guess. it's not bone, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like like it has more like, flesh. like vegetable flesh. It's got yeah, more flesh. flesh. Yeah. There we go. That's that's what I'm <laughs> saying. So I can't find like I can't find tomatoes with more bone, you know. So that's why I can't I can't make salsa. Right, right. But tell me. Tell me how. Tell okay, me how. To okay. Make so so first of all, this is a green salsa, so no tomatoes required. Um they're tomatillos, actually. Oh. Um second of all, you should be using really you should be using sharper knives. First of all, I just want to put it out there. Um, if you want me to Wait, sharp- you buy me a set, no. If you want me to sharpen your knives, I can. I I've been. That's another hobby that I've picked up during quarantine. Is so knife sharpening. Frustrating, dude. Uh, so frustrating to cut a tomato and just watch it like not cut. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it just it just it squishes. Just, it just smash. <laughs> Liquid just goes everywhere. You're like, why is this not working? Um, okay, so here's how to make uh, has how to make uh, salsa verde. So it's you know it's green salsa. Um, tomatillos, water, uh, just like a little bit, a half cup, um, cilantro, uh, uh, a half of an onion quartered, um, uh, and then you put in, you could put in, um, some garlic, you could put in a little bit of salt, um, and then you just throw it all in, into the blender and you blend it and that's it. I'm just like trying to imagine being an audio listener. We don't even have any visual listeners, but like <laughs> listening to that list, be like, oh, uh, oh, geez, I can't remember this. It's like <laughs> stupid easy. It's so easy. Tomatillos, onions, cilantro, garlic, and salt. Blend. It's like it's blend so it easy. all. Yeah, they put a little bit of water right. so it gets the juices gone. You know. I'm sure I won't remember. I'm sure our listeners won't either, and they'll just look it up. But it sounds oh, great. Oh, sorry, and and I forgot the most important part. Uh, serrano <laughs> serrano chilies that that makes it spicy. I put two in there, and that's like just, there it is. I hope you had like pen and paper out or something. Just the right amount of heat. Yeah. It sounds great. So anyway, so did I, you eat it? Did, did you eat it with chips or did you like put it in a burrito? No, I mean, uh, yeah, I ate it with chips and then we had tacos too. So so we put it on the tacos. Um, I grilled some. I, I grilled some sweet potatoes on the grill, uh, and that that was pretty good. Uh, but but my uh, actually my the salsa was the really the highlight. But today I finished making sourdough bread for the first time. I've been I've been 
cultivating this starter <laughs> since quarantine. Um, and today it finally, you know, it finally paid off. I made my own sourdough. Um, and that was pretty good too. I wish the loaves were bigger. So next time I'm going to have to adjust the recipe, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was really good. It's great to hear about your, uh, chef endeavors, Cameron. Yeah. I've got so much more. I've got, I've got so many things that I've made that I want. I don't to know make. why I should even ask such a, a silly question. Cause I feel like I already knew the answer before. Yeah. Before that even began. Yeah, exactly. That but, is a silly question. Oh, you know, I made pickles too. <laughs> <laughs> that's great dude actually that sounds that does sound good I, homemade pickles are good i know super duper has great uh like housemade pickles yeah, too when you go out to eat like there's something about the housemade pickles i actually love pickles i love small pickles mm-hmm. um yeah the and, little tiny uh, little cornichons yeah because you could just eat them out of the jar and i'm gonna i'm gonna leave that there for lack of innuendo mm. ladies and gentlemen welcome to everything comes from something uh my name is isaac i'm cameron and you're listening to a podcast in quarantine or maybe not maybe quarantine's lifted and maybe you're happy about that ladies and gentlemen this is episode 92 i believe and today cameron and i are talking about the films that influenced us so much that we became movie lovers ourselves these are the movies that we were exposed to as children and they left a big enough impact for us to continue our journey looking at movies moving forward. If you enjoy Everything Comes From Something, you can check us out at patreon.com slash ecfspodcast. Throw a couple dollars our way. Get access to an exclusive monthly episode. You can have your questions read on air. Or you can become an executive producer where we chat with you pretty regularly about the direction of this show. Of course, if you don't have dollars to spare, we get it, especially in a time like this. You can tell friends and family, give us a rating on iTunes. That really does help the show grow. We have a question from one of our Patreon supporters, one of our producers, uh, Ariel Walk. She sent a question because we've been spending so much time talking about Star Wars. She wanted to know what was our favorite rendition of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ghost Obi-Wan Kenobi, old ghost Obi-Wan Kenobi, maybe. Uh, Old Kenobi from the original trilogy. Ewan McGregor Kenobi from the prequels. Or the Obi-Wan Kenobi from the Clone Wars. Cameron, do you have an answer? Yeah, I kind of love Ben Kenobi and... uh in uh in in star wars the the original um i think he he plays a a very interesting special role it it definitely guides like obviously star wars is is a very linearly plotted movie and so like it it follows the hero's journey basically to a t and so like he comes in as sort of the wise mentor um and that's that's a he he does really well in that role and i also love that he just didn't want to be there at all and he was really embarrassed <laughs> um <laughs> he was just he was just incredibly embarrassed to uh to to be in star wars he thought he thought it was silly um so you know that's that's fun the thing that i like about ewan mcgregor's performance as obi-wan is that he starts with this sarcastic quippy like middle-aged jedi kind of vibe right he is a master in the second movie i believe when he was a padawan or just a jedi knight in the first one who who knows who cares really (laughs) but you see a shift towards the end of episode three like he has that sarcastic kind of like i'm why i'm a wise dude right uh shift to being like the serious Ben Kenobi that you recognize from the original trilogy because of the Jedi genocide. He's very like stern uh, towards the end with Anakin being, you know, really dark and evil now. And of course all these people dying, he's just a concerned old man. And I actually really enjoy like the Tanev four scenes with Obi-Wan, like where, Yoda and him are like the few Jedi survivors and they're like, well, we actually have a lot to do. Uh, we need to protect these Skywalker babies or whatever. Um, right, right, yeah. So, I mean, my choice is Yuma McGregor uh, for my favorite Obi-Wan. As much as I love the Clone Wars Obi-Wan, I just think that the Clone Wars Obi-Wan is influenced by Ewan McGregor's performance at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Yeah, and yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, I still like Alec Guinness because I can't say anything good about uh, about the original trilogy, but, you know. You mean the prequels, right? Yeah, sorry. I can't say anything good about the prequels. 
I'm just a sucker. That's when I, and, and, and I mean, it goes alongside with what we're talking about today is the movies we grew up around, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's why yeah. the prequels have relevance. Also, Ariel wanted to know uh, what color lightsaber we'd pick if we ha- if we were Jedi. Cameron, mm-hmm. do you have an obscure color, anything in particular that you've ever thought about? No, I'd probably do the classic blue. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I like that's, that's cool. I like the blue a lot, but I've always liked orange too. I know that's like a color you don't see. Um, when I played Jedi Fallen Order on PlayStation, that was the color lightsaber that I picked the second I unlocked it. I was just all yeah. orange. No, yeah, that's that's it's a pretty cool color, but I don't know. I feel like I feel like I need to be more uh up on the lore of of like how you get different lightsaber colors you know what i mean like i know i know um i know mace windu's got a purple lightsaber because you know because he's he's special and he asked george lucas for it but like nobody else has like it's just it's just blue or green you know what i mean like that's it and then in the video games obviously everybody has you're switching colors all around so i'm like why wouldn't that be the case like all the time you know what i mean also um doesn't Ray have a yellow lightsaber at the end of The Rise of Skywalker? Does she? I believe she does, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you were probably asleep at that point, right? Yeah, or I you're don't just think like, I, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> you're just ready to get out. You're like, get me out of yeah, here. Yeah, I think I stopped paying attention. Um, uh, I don't want to say m- midway through the movie. Maybe like within the first, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> I stopped paying attention. Yeah, that movie's pretty cracked out. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't think there's any other way of putting it. Yeah. Well, I think talking about Star Wars is, is probably a good place to start when we're talking about movies that really turned us into film lovers uh, at a young mm-hmm. age. I don't want to beat the dead horse star. We've been talking about Star Wars like so much the last few episodes. Yeah, that's uh, true. It, it's a... Uh, it's a fun franchise to discuss and talk about. Um, but I think, you know, we, we don't want to, we don't want to overdo it by any means. I am going to talk about my thoughts on the conclusion of the clone wars in our Patreon exclusive episode. Uh, that is late. I am, uh, I, we want to apologize. We've been having technical issues. We've already had technical issues this episode. We're just hopefully hiding it in po- in, uh, in post-edit. Um, it's different. It's, uh, different. That one I think it. was a fluke, I would say. The other one was, I'm having serious issues with my, with my laptop. Um, and that's what I, I normally use to, to record on, um, and yeah, it's just, I'm, I'd still dead. It's basically, did I tell you what happened? No. Oh, okay. So I can I'll I'll go into this because it's it's kind of dumb, but um, yeah. So so I was I was using it to record, obviously, and my my like USB like my USB ports were were like dying, um, like midway through recording, and so it'd be like it would like cut out, and then I'd have to reconnect the the audio interface, and it was just it was just miserable. It was a terrible time. So I reset like I did an SMC reset which is like resetting the hardware, basically, the hardware interface. Um, mm-hmm. And that made it even worse. It didn't fix the USBs, and it just made my f- <laughs> it made my fan spin at full speed all the time. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, it sounds um, like you need to... F- did you factory reset it? No, I, I haven't, because I have, I have like a bunch of crap on there that I need. But Are you... How do I, how do I ask this? Have you cons- like what operating system are you on? I'm on the latest. So I hear that Catalina is kind of weird and not the best. A lot of people have jumped back to Mojave, even though it's very hard to do. Yeah. I have actually forced Juliana's computer to go back to Mojave. Uh, it was a nightmare, but right, I made it right, work. Right. Yeah. So it might I, be. It- well, I actually, I actually um, was on Mojave first and then i updated because i i did a reset and i was hoping by updating it it would reset it once more it didn't but you know yeah mac issues yeah just problems i think they're notorious for it sometimes i guess i mean this one this is just a weird 
I don't know. There's just something weird about this one. It's that computer's cracking on uh five years now though, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's old. It's a it's oldie but goodie, as they say, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's well. Anyways, that's this is boring. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, let's get into the movies. Let's get into the movies. So, on. yeah, I mean, we've talked about Star Wars a lot the last few episodes. Obviously, Star Wars huge inspiration for Cameron and I liking movies. We've talked about it a lot. Uh, we didn't. We did a recent Star Wars episode talking about Disney and the situation with Star Wars. Actually, Cameron, just a quick note on that. Did you hear about Taika Waititi getting directorial roles in the next yeah, Star Wars Yeah, I did, film? actually. Um, that's exciting. I, I love Taika Waititi, so, um, so I think... I don't know. I think he's a good choice to do it. I don't, don't want to say... I don't want to say that we called it, you know, talking about, like, how Disney needs to just cling to talent, and yeah, I think that's maybe what they're doing. So Yeah, we'll no, I hope so. I hope so. I think... I think JJ was um, just a weird choice. He, I don't think he's like, he's the brain that that people thought he was. You know what I mean? Like he's a he's a good director. He's a good workhorse director, but he's not like a good visionary. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah, he gets but, it done. Yeah, um, yeah. But I I actually don't want to talk about Star Wars all that much in this episode because, like you said, we we talked about it a ton already and everybody knows that's obviously a big inspiration for us it's one of the they are some of the movies that got us into movies um but i was mainly thinking of this topic because um really so so my brother my younger brother he listens to the show hi cody um he he's 15 and um we're showing him movies that he hasn't seen before that are like I, I want to say like introductory to to like f- film l- knowledge. You know what I mean? Like they're they're I'm introducing him to movies that are t- I'm trying to just expand his vision of what of what movies are. And we've already showed him some really good movies, but I was trying to think back to like okay, what are the ones that made an impact in me? You know what I mean? Like what are the ones that made that that sort of left an impression in my mind um and yeah and i i wanted to ask you the same question so um i don't know you brought out your vhs's didn't you <laughs> yeah i actually went before we started recording this episode and looked back at the dvds and um vhs tapes that i actually still own uh to try to find some inspiration and sort of remember what i watched a lot of obviously when you're a kid you're not going to be watching um, you know, Saving Private Ryan or something like that when we were really young, right? So yeah. I, I think a majority of these films from our early years are going to be animated. And you brought up before we even started recording Toy Story. Cameron, Toy Story, I think, is not only a great film, but it's a movie that inspires its viewers to like love movies yeah 100% it was cool that we were growing up when that movie came to the forefront right yeah we we kind of I want to hear what you think the first one I want to say came out in 1995 right uh no 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 oh I'll I'll cross it was yeah it was 1995 um yeah, so so you know, first one nineteen ninety five, the second one two thousand or two thousand one, uh, the third one was twenty twelve, and then the fourth one just came out la- uh, last year or two years ago or whatever. Um, yeah, so we kind of were, I I don't know, we're I guess we're like right in the thick of it, you know, um, th- which is which is pretty interesting, like that. Not not just Toy Story the the brand, but also Pixar as as sort of the company and the the company that we've we've learned to know and love um, has kind of they've kind of grown their name as we were growing up and and as we were at that age to be to be fans of them you know so so for me I I think there are plenty of Pixar movies that come to mind um, that that are on that list of like, oh yeah, this was like completely influential, um, to me, you know, and Toy Story, I think is, is probably the main one. And then after that would be, would be up. Um, and 
and yeah, those two I think have like had really just cemented my my own love of of those movies. And then as far as other animated movies goes, go um The Lion King I I I mentioned earlier. Man, I just I love that movie. I think it's there's something so special and unique about it. Um I guess not unique because uh, didn't they steal the uh, <laughs> the plot from another animated movie, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Kimba the White Lion or something like that. I don't know. Um, Good movie. Whatever. It, does, that, it doesn't matter. Close. Um, but it is, I mean, I think it's an, it's an incredible movie. Um, and then another one that I, that I didn't mention but I just thought about was The Prince of Egypt, actually. Oh, yeah. Do you remember? Well, I wanna, did you ever watch y- that? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did watch it, and I don't remember anything about it. To be honest, really? Oh my yeah, goodness! It didn't stick with me as much as maybe it, it stuck with you. Why? Wow, you be- you should go back. Actually, I'm 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 dead serious. You should go back and watch it because it is incredible. It has some of the most incredible music, um, most incredible like visual sequences in an animal animated movie that I've ever seen. It's, it is so good. Um, Hans Zimmer did the score. Oh, uh, it is so good. I will check it out. I would, I, th- I think that sounds great actually. Yeah. But, um, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, Karen, I kind of want to cycle back to toy story. Yeah. And then sort of keep moving up from there. Um, no pun intended. We can talk about up too, mm. but, I think why Toy Story was so like inspirational for me as an individual is that as like as a kid, right, the toy the idea of like toys in a room is 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 so relatable for someone at a young age, right? Mm, yeah. You're like, I get that, right? Of course Disney's going to sell toys with it. But then what they did, like they basically hooked you as a kid right away. They're like, okay, you understand the setting. As a matter of fact, you imagine playing with your toys uh, with a level of character, right? These these people have character. And then it puts them into a plot that's like, you know, I think I think it's just like a really solid like story. You know, it's about... Yeah. Someone who feels rejected and with with someone else who's new on the block and becoming popular and then they have like they have like this tension between them and then they have to work together and become friends to get through it, right? Right, right. It's not overly complex, but you understand what they're going for really easily and it's done in this setting and style that is relatable to a kid, right? And all of it kind of culminates into this adventure that strays away from the room and out into like this very different world. Like I think the scene in the car was relatable Mm. for me as a kid because it's like, I remember playing with toys in the car, what it was like to have my action figure sitting on like the couch like seats of an older vehicle. Right. And how that was, basically copied into the pizza planet um car that that buzz and woody are fighting in and then like the creepy house of sid with Mm. like (laughs) how how like instantly you related with like oh yeah i remember going to like my friend's house and it was kind (laughs) of like that you know what i mean where you're like like, i just yeah yeah you're like i was not feeling that I I also love the the idea of like no toy left behind, you know, um, mm-hmm. like and I I remember having those experiences of like of like oh my goodness, like like I just you know I I broke the the rubber band in this old school GI Joe. Oh no, you know it's broken, <laughs> or like I you know oh this fell off the table and its head popped off or whatever. You know what I mean? Like like I remember I remember that you know so. I don't know. It's just a funny it's a funny play on things. And and I think the I think the story is actually very adult, you know, in in a lot of ways. It's very mature. Um the idea of um I guess I mean I guess the idea of of like rejection and of people moving on and um which obviously plays through the entire the entire series, but yeah, I don't know, the idea of I guess that concept I think is just is just really 
really unique, you know. And I think that's and, and relatable. It's just relatable. Yeah, I think that's what Pixar does really well is that they establish this awe-inspiring world, right? They'll create something that they explain and show to a sense, right? And and you get it. You're like, okay, I understand the rules of this toy world mm-hmm. and I'm kind of enamored by it, right? Yeah. And then they just introduce a story that is adult to per se, right? It's not it doesn't mean that it's like inappropriate. What it means is that it's mature, right? It right. doesn't it doesn't necessarily um avoid or I guess more like it doesn't compromise the storytelling for children. It almost holds children to that standard. And if they don't get it, they'll still get it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and for me, I actually, I think Pixar's the Incredibles, um, really does this to in the same way that toy story does it, but it does it with more of a focus on that setting and introduction of the world and I, I think The Incredibles was the first time that I remember watching a movie, especially an animated movie, and being like, I don't know what it is about this movie, but this movie has style. I remember noticing mm. that as a kid. Yeah. Like, this is a very stylistic... Like, why are there, like, jazzy trumpets playing in a superhero <laughs> movie? You know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I didn't know what noir was, but I was yeah. into it. I was like, this is cool. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. I don't know why it's cool, but it is. And it's not like the Spider-Man movie that I saw you know um a few months back right like it's nothing like that it's very different right and so that kind of a movie like that really captured my attention and man like just honestly the incredibles has like this strange mix of so many cool things like it feels like a spy movie sometimes but then Mm. you forget you're also watching like a superhero action movie that hints from elements of the x-men with like band mutants and it meshes together well because like that 50s new war feeling kind of links back to some of like classic comic book drawings too like i i don't know how to how to show that connection but it's just so seeped in style right it is a movie a movie like that just inspired me i was like i'm i'm totally into movies like this i want to see more stuff like this yeah no yeah exactly um yeah and and just i don't know it's not something you, I, I think you pick up on when when you're a kid but like going back and watching it now it's just like i don't know there's something so special about it you know what i mean oh, there, yeah. there's something there's something that really um lends itself well to the to the style and the just I don't know, just how effortless it feels. You know, it doesn't feel like it's straining or like, like that's what I always felt about about sort of non Pixar animated films was that they always felt like I don't know they were trying too hard. I guess um, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. And 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 yeah, and I mean Pixar films just don't they don't they don't have to try that hard. They're just effortless. So, you know, Cameron, as I as I look back at some of the animated films in my collection, I am proud to announce that I own two DVD copies of <laughs> Surf's Up. Um, and I, I I don't want to discredit that movie because I thought it was hilarious as a kid because it's a stupid kids movie. But I do want to give it credit. And I think it is it's ahead of its time. Because the movie is shot as a mockumentary, which is like one of my favorite kinds of like uh, comedies now. Um, Cameron, do you, you know what I mean by mockumentary, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember liking Surf Stuff all that much. I don't remember much about it, to be honest. Um, so I could be just be remembering wrong, but I don't know. I <laughs> I always thought it was was kind of dumb you know oh yeah it's it's definitely dumb but i think that that mockumentary i was like what this is so weird like i I remember thinking like this is so weird and different and now it's like i watch the office and it's a mockumentary i'm like this is i love it you know yeah Um, it is kind of a weird choice for a kid's movie too right yeah dude i bet you if you watch that movie now you would be like okay maybe i missed something you know Mm, yeah, may I mean, 
potentially, I guess. <laughs> Cameron's like begrudgingly I, I'm kinda, admitting. I'm kind of skeptical, but <laughs> yeah, I I think you have every right to be. I I wouldn't say waste your time, but nevertheless, Cameron, do you want to move on to another movie that you thought was impactful for you uh, into loving movies? Yeah, I mean, when I was so, I guess those were kind of like the foundation you know those those sort of animated the, the animated movies were were kind of the foundation of of what i enjoyed um and then building upon that i i remember um i took i took a a film class in junior high um and we watched um we watched two movies that i think were were like incredibly actually three movies um, that were incredibly impactful on me and it made me appreciate sort of um, classic movies, I guess. Um, we watched um, we watched one called It Happened One Night. Um, have you heard of, Have you heard of this movie? I think we talked about it a little bit last time, actually. No, no, I don't know about it. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's a Frank Capra movie. Came out in 1934, um, and it's uh, it's basically the fr- first. Um, uh, rom-com essentially in film history um, and it's so good it's really funny um, it's it's a great movie um, and and it still holds up I mean it's just it's just a really really um, smart funny movie um, another one that we watched which I actually did show my my brother um, is 12 Angry Men and I, I think you would agree with this assessment right that 12 angry men is is basically i mean it's like um it's a transcendent movie you know i don't think i watched it till my freshman year of high school and i remember there was this sentiment that no one wanted to watch the movie Mm. because it was boring and old (laughs) and i remember sitting there in the class looking at it and thinking to myself this movie sucks and just slowly being changed throughout yeah. it. Yeah. Like it really does draw you in if you if you give it a chance. I think I think it helped that I couldn't leave the classroom, right? <laughs> Cuz I was like at first, I was completely against it at first, right? Sure. But as it went on, I was like, "Wait a second. There's something to this movie. There's something really cool about this movie." Yeah. And and I think it's not overly complicated. It knows exactly what it wants to be. And it it nails it. It really it does nail. I mean, it does nail it. it just incredibly on the head. Um, and the the thing that I mean, we watched it again. I watched it with my with my little brother. And the thing that I just absolutely adore about it is the characters are so real. I mean, they're so they're so well written. They're so well drawn out. Um, and obviously, they need to be. Of course, if you're you know if you're making a, a character piece, you know, it only, t- it takes place in one room. So, um, it kind of has to be, but, um, yeah. And then I noticed another thing that I really had never noticed before, um, was, uh, the, the fact that it's even in one room, there's so much motion and there's so much movement and, and, and dynamism that, it just gives it such a life, you know, it feel, it doesn't feel like a cold movie. It doesn't feel, you know, distant. It feels just like, so, um, I don't know. It feels like you're there. It's, it's really, it's really spectacular. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would consider it the movie that influenced me per se, um, to like movies more. Cause at that point I was a freshman in high school and I was like, I was open to exploring more movies, right. but I would say that, I think that movie was the one that made me not want to write off older films because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think it really did um, turn my perspective. Now, I do want to say I have watched um, like classic Bob Hope and Don Knotts films before that uh, just because my parents were into that sort of thing. And I thought they were all right. I was, I was, I was into them sometimes if I felt like it. So I'd yeah. already had a little bit of exposure, but I had never seen anything like um, 12 Angry Men with, I, I just think there was, there was a level of execution that was so airtight. And yeah, I think that's exactly. why that movie stands out still today. Um, and, and the last one that I watched in that class that really kind of, I guess, opened my eyes and, and made me like really, really appreciate the, the art form. Um, 
is To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, mm. Have you have you seen the the classic? Yeah, same classroom actually. Oh uh, yeah, my freshman year. Yeah. Good. What what class was that? English. <laughs> oh really? Interesting. Yeah yeah. Did you? Uh, because you, I guess you read the book. Yes. Is and, there a and book watched, of Twelve Angry Men? No, we watched okay. Twelve Angry Men because my teacher needed a day off or something like that. <laughs> Um, it was like he was gone for a week and the substitute was told for us to watch this movie and take aggressive notes about the characters. <laughs> um, and where, yeah, so like I had to be engaged with it. Right. Even though I didn't want to be. And it ended up being really good. And we, we watched To Kill a Mockingbird because we read the book. And yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's just, a, it's. I mean, it's so good. It is another one that is just like, impeccably made you know that you watch now and and it like it transcends um you know i think i think a lot of people um especially uh you know youngins uh gen zers or whatever um zoomers as they're called i guess um i think i think a lot of younger people and even people our age isaac um, write off movies that are old um, or that are in black and white because they're in black and white, you know, because they yeah. seem sort of dated. Um, but I think I think those three movies, especially especially Twelve Angry Men, I think is is kind of the prime example of it. But um, To Kill a Mockingbird as well, um, it kind of just transcends and it transcends time. It transcends um, you know any sort of limitations that people have about it, and I think it. I think it stands out um, as being, I don't know, as being something that that really is impactful. I mean, it was it was incredibly impactful on me, um, and yeah, I don't I don't know. It's just it's just I think it's a special movie. I think it really, um, it's really really good. I don't know. I think you're touching on a section of movies that we were exposed to that kind of helped us have a more mature view of what films could be. Yeah. Because they lasted so long over time and they were made in the past. Like, when I watched 12 Angry Men, I was like, wow, I could sit down and watch a whole movie with people just talking around a table. Mm, and it was yeah. good. And I would have never thought that I could do anything like that because I think the past love for film that I had found came in these worlds that were realized and presented with a plot and there was like so much imagination on display and and i think when you're growing up like imagination that is encouraged is like it's it's amazing like it's what you because as a kid i i hope that you'd be imaginative and i think as as you grow up you can lose some of that but movie like movies like that kind of say you don't need to lose it right 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 you don't need to lose it as a matter of fact you can make like incredible things like this and present them to people and have people be bought into them. And so when you look at Pixar, it's like it's banking off that imagination and like setting up that world for people to kind of fall in love with the same way that the people who made the world fell in love with it, right? And when you when as you watch those, you can realize that a movie doesn't necessarily need that level of imagination in setting, right? Instead, the imagination can be in writing or in character. Right. Yeah. And no, so I, exactly. and I, I, I think that's why it takes a while for a someone who wants to enjoy movies, who is becoming to enjoy movies a lot more, to appreciate a movie like 12 Angry Men. Because it's not your stereotypical, we imagined this incredible world for you to fall in love with, and there's a plot which serves as the driving force in this amazing backdrop we designed, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't have that that flair. As a matter of fact, its simplicity is actually its strength. Yeah, no, and, exactly. Yeah. And it's such a so, it's such an easy concept to understand, you know. It it, right, it, right. it even though it's I guess it's it is a mature concept in that like, you know, they're at a jury and and you know, they have to decide this person's life basically. Um it's a um it's a simple one. You know, it's one that you can you can get your head around. And I think I think in a lot of ways, I guess, I don't know, I guess it's kind of 
it's kind of um, made me appreciate some of the things that that uh, you know make our make our our culture great. You know, make our civilization great. And and you know, it's just it, it was just a really special movie. Um, and I I like what you're saying about expanding your you know when you when I watched it I was I guess I would have been like 11 you know and so it it really did expand my mind of like oh this is what a this is what a movie can be it doesn't have to be Star Wars you know it doesn't have to be right right a Pixar movie it can be something so simple as as 12 men talking in a room you know and be so tense and so full of of drama you know and it just I don't know. It made me. It made me love. Um, it made me. Lo- I, I. I don't know. It. It just made me love film, and, and I don't know. There's something special about it. I think on the on the opposite end of the spectrum to that, around that age, I also started to get into um, what I would say is like is like the ultimate of um, popcorn art cinema which would be Chris Nolan. <laughs> um, and, and I started with, with the Batman trilogy, obviously. Um, and so, so, you know, I, I had watched, um, I had watched Batman begins in the dark Knight, Um, because at that time the dark Knight rises wasn't out yet, but yeah. So I watched, I had watched those movies. Um, and they kind of, they kind of expressed themselves in a very different way of, um, being being like very uh popcorn and um and you know they're superhero movies so they're kind of they're kind of understandable and bite-sized um but at the same time they were very they were very deep and kind of handled mature themes and were kind of gritty you know and and they 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 sort of dealt with things in a way that um, that you didn't see in like the Spider-Man movies, you know, or whatever else, or, you, you know, even just your run of the mill, um, Pixar movie or whatever you, you, I was used to at that age. Um, they just handled things in a very, um, in a very, very realist way. And then, you know, obviously Inception came out and that was, that was a big deal of being like, whoa, my mind is blown. And then I watched The Prestige and, and my mind was blown even further, you know? So I don't know. I think, I think he had this sort of, uh, I, I had a revelation, um, when it came to him of being like, oh, you can actually use film, not only to just tell a linear story, uh, but you can you can use it to hide from the audience. You know, it's a language. It me it 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 sort of gave me an impression of like what you could actually do with editing and what you could actually do with um with the shots and and you know, hinting and uh, I I don't know, there was something so so unique about about his way of visualization. Um and that I think left a, a huge impact on me. Yeah, I think that as I think back to exposure of film as a kid, right, you, for at least us, we watched animated movies, and then, like, there, well, there's an animated movie I wanted to talk about that I don't think we really have time, but for me, it was weird, and it stuck with me a lot, I'm not sure why, it was just very stylized, uh, the Disney adaptation of Robin Hood. Oh you know, yeah, I love that, that movie? movie. Yeah, I love that. It's so good. Yeah, that that movie. I re- I specifically remember being like this movie. Movie has like a lot of style. There's like a drawn feeling, like a storybook kind of drawn feeling yeah. to it. Um, and the music is like acoustic, and there's a dude singing. The whistling. Yeah. Yeah. And that that whistling still gets stuck in my head. To be honest. Yeah, that movie meant a lot to me as a kid, and I was like, I don't know why, but there's something about this that that clicks, that it makes me feel like someone was really intentionally creating these animal portrayals of characters from the story of Robin Hood, right? And and so so we're there with animated films, right? I just had to throw that out there because yeah. I didn't want to forget mentioning it. Um, and then there's like this time where you're exposed to like a live action with the same level of creativity that inspire or same level of like 
um, yeah, that creativity and that, uh, what was the word I was just using? Imagination, mm. right? So there's the Star Wars, right? Um, for me, Indiana Jones did the same Ooh, thing. Yes. Where there was like this this imagination with it, but there was the backdrop of live action um, you know, characters there. But there's still this great realized setting. Uh, it's stylistic. It's like... It's not like anything I've ever seen before, but I get the world and and I I love it. I want to be like I want to be involved in that. Um, shoot, and there was one more. Actually, uh, Cameron, you'll love this. National Treasure sort of did the same thing for uh, me too. Yeah, <laughs> where it establishes rules. It's live action. It almost feels like not cartoonish, but some of the characters yeah, act bit. cartoonish, and but it's done in this like realized setting, and. I was like, wow, I want to see like every nook and cranny of this world, right? Yeah. The imagination is there. And uh, then, and then you as saw the second talking, one and it just was not very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you talk about like this shift where imagination comes along like with this gritty, hard, um, like groundedness, I think. Mm. And for me, my exposure to the Lord of the Rings sort of brought that about where it's yeah. like this is a well realized incredibly like meticulously um crafted world right under tolkien's books which i had to read um some of them to in order to watch the movies mm. um <laughs> and so i got to appreciate the writing and then i got to watch the films and i was like wow this is like unlike anything else and and there's like this level of angst and darkness that's a part of the story that i wasn't used to um and it started to juggle like deeper themes, right? Yeah. And then my parents began to allow me to watch like war movies, right? Because it, at least to them, if it wasn't like lighthearted, like predator, like war movies, like I think I watched Predator actually later before I watched Saving Private Ryan, mm. because I think my parents were like, if there's a grittiness, if there's a realness, and if there's a historical element, like we think that maybe those will impact Isaac in a positive way, right? Yeah. He'll have well, respect thinking, for the troops like, or something like that. Or Like, you don't want to show your kid Tropic Thunder before you show your kid Saving Private Ryan, you know? Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Like, there's something, there's something about the sort of, like, grittiness and reverence um, f- that that Saving Private Ryan has, and, and a lot of war movies, actually, um, that they're kind of... They're, they're kind of lessons in in history as well as lessons in in sort of I don't know lessons in violence lessons in the the cost of war the cost of 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 everything and and you know obviously the classic refrain is war is hell and that's that's displayed in a lot of those movies and so yeah there's something yeah, sort of terrifying about about Especially, I would say, Saving Private Ryan. There's something ter- just completely terrifying about the the beginning of that movie. It's just it's just brutal, you know. I watched that movie once, and it stuck with me. So, like, I, I don't need to watch it again. Do I want to watch it again? Yeah. I just I haven't spent the time to watch it again. It's but it it's so powerful that you don't need to. You know. Yeah. Yeah. They they push their imagination to the limit with the context of some historical things. I remember, or my parents told me that they remembered uh, that some vets couldn't sit through the movie because it was too accurate or something like that Yeah. Uh, when the movie came out. And so I was exposed to kind of like these historical war films and found them honestly, like, like quite frankly, like in captivating. I was like, there is something more to this. Like there, are, there are, there are themes. It's like this imagination is a culminating on top of like these heavier, serious themes. And then kind of what you're talking about where it's like, then it like really drives into that character drama, like, like the crafted writing. Right. Yeah. Like that was my pathway to kind of loving film, this very, um, glamorous, imaginative worlds that were created. And I fell in love with them. And then they slowly shifted into a little bit more serious, gritty, um, but they still had that imagination piece all the way to the point where they didn't even need that setting. The imagination was in the writing itself. Yeah. Is is that painting a good picture for kind of like how I fell in love with movies? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's, I think that's really well said. I, 
I do want to jump back a little bit to to the Lord of the Rings because I think that was another one for me where like I I've always mentioned that Star Wars the thing that that made me sort of fall in love with the with making movies and the craft of it and figuring that out was I realized one day, you know, watching Star Wars that oh, this was all filmed on Earth. <laughs> you know, like I had yeah. that I had that moment of like oh wow, this was actually like this was this was something that someone in their crazy brain put together and was able to make look like just out of this world. And it was the same with, it was the same with the Lord of the Rings was like, I mean, I was obviously older, so I understood sort of how this happened, but you, you look at these, at these beautiful, gorgeous shots and, and, you know, Gandalf on the mountain and like the, 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 the mines of Moria, you know, and you, you look at these, you look at these just gorgeous shots and you're like, wait, that's, that's in New Zealand, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> like I could yeah. go there. I could just like, like take a, uh, you know, 16 hour flight and walk up a mountain and see that, you know, that's, that's nuts. You know, they're walk they're running through the hills and they're, and there's just like, there's something gorgeous about, um, about those movies that, that I don't think you, I don't know. I, I, I really appreciated um, watching them the first time, and I really appreciated how well realized um, those movies really were. You know, I mean, it's they're just I think they're just incredible. And and again, you you talk about sort of the the depth and the the actual like, I mean, obviously the source material is an incredibly deep and profound book um, or three books, but. Yeah, it it tackles some 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 incredible themes of of power of of evil of choices, you know, of you know, there's there's just I don't know, there's just something there's something really really wonderful about those movies. Um I I want to say that the era where imagination begins to clash with the grounded like grittiness um when we were exposed to stories like that it was like the first time I had really considered ideas of like despair, um, mm. like sadness, even like depression and, and, and like the burden of sacrifice is one that really comes up yeah. uh, in, in movies that like drag this great imagination and then like introduce a more mature plot. And what's crazy is that some Pixar films have even transcended to to explore those those ideas, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember, like, my middle school era is when I really began to start thinking about those things. And then to see, I guess, the culmination of a drama film like 12 Angry Men hit on kind of, like, the joy, happiness, sadness, sacrifice, despair, like, all in one just in that small setting, too. Like, I was like, oh, it's, like, full circle. Like, wow, this is, like, the potential of what movies can reach like being exposed to that 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 idea of like heroic sacrifice and despair is put perfectly on point by the end of the fellowship um just like kind of the gut twisting ending of that Mm. that movie yeah same with saving private ryan uh it's like glued in my head there's this one camera shot with tom hanks pointing a pistol at the tank where i'm just like that scene like stuck in my dreams dude yeah you know um, and it, it's interesting to see how like that those there's like this era in the way that I grew up, right? Because middle schools, I mean, we did an episode on middle school. It's like <laughs> the the time where you really start realizing some stuff. You start to really look outside of your own little world. You know, you really start to kind of understand some things that you didn't notice before, and you maybe didn't even want to notice, but you have to notice them now. Yeah. And so, like, those themes really resonated with me um, during that time. I, I don't really know where I'm going with it, but I, I yeah. just thought it was something well, that and I should th- point out. And I think in some of the best, um, in some of the best animated movies that we mentioned, those themes are there. You know, those themes are maybe not the first thing that you pick up on, you know, in Toy Story or in Toy Story, well, Toy Story 2 especially, actually. Um, you know, those things aren't aren't necessarily the first things that you would... Um, 
as a kid you would you would gravitate towards but watching them again and thinking about them like those those themes are there and they're they're profound you know they're they're not just taken lightly they they are they they do actually matter you know they're they're kind of integral to to those movies and yeah so it's it's interesting i mean i you know i bring this up again because because i'm i'm showing i'm showing these movies to my my little brother and we're trying to go through i guess like a i guess a crash course in cinema i i want to show him we're we're doing like we're doing like one fun one hard movie you know what i mean um and uh, the normal Cameron way. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so we're kind of we're trying to we're I guess we haven't done a, a very good job of like mixing in the hard movies. Um, but I, I want to start him to get I, I want to get him comfortable watching older films, watching sort of um, more. I, I think we, I, we definitely want to watch To Kill a Mockingbird. I definitely want to watch bringing up baby because i think it's just a crazy uh insane fun movie that that is like like extremely relatable and transcendent i mean i don't know about relatable but it's just like what about baby's day out no isaac you keep bringing that movie up and no <laughs> um no i so so i want to I don't know. I would. I would. I'm just gonna ask for suggestions of like, what should I show him? Like, what What do you think is is a good thing to have on the list? Um, we he hasn't seen the Lord of the Rings movies, and so we're gonna do a, um, we're gonna we're gonna watch those eventually for sure. Um, but yeah, what I mean, what do you think? What What should be hmm. What should be required watching, for anyone's film history knowledge, or film appreciation knowledge, maybe. That's a hard yeah, that's a hard question. I'm trying to think of like something that is balanced like start to finish. You know, I I because I think like how do I say this? I guess he's 15, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Like there are some movies that I think are more mature that if I watched when I was 15, I don't think I would have really taken yeah. in for what they're yeah, trying exactly. to go for. Exactly. You know? So it's it's hard it's hard. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to I would I mean I would recommend The Lord of the Rings. I think they're fantastic. Um Yeah, I think I think about, I appreciate them. I although I do want to I I'm afraid um that he's going to like burn out, you know what I mean? So I might just break it up yeah. like like I did with Kiana cuz Kiana really loved those movies, but we watched them as like a mini series. Um I I broke them into like hour hour and 15 minute chunks. Um and that's where we kind of we were able to to get through them that way rather than than like sitting down and watching them all the way through, you know, because that's that's just like it's way too much. So I think I might do that. Um I don't know, it depends. But yeah, I mean, this is kind of a a stylistic mature film, but I think Mad Max Fury Road is is a movie that both you and I enjoy and it is I don't know, like I think you have to watch it with kind of like the intention to appreciate what it does. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I'm wary of showing him that just for now, um just cuz I think I don't know. I think I think my, that might be too mature, I guess. Um, well, I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll see. But I, I do love that movie, and it is something that, like, it's it's essentially a silent movie. So, like, <laughs> it it basically works. Um, it, it works in a way that I, that I think only very, very, very well-made movies do, where it's, like, it's, it's a completely, you, you can watch it completely silent, and you can, you can, understand it all and it just there's something so visual about it um yeah but i don't know i don't know if he's necessarily ready for that i'll i'm i might save what that about, for later but what about like a movie like a coming of age film like breakfast club or ferris bueller yeah so we watched ferris bueller um he loved it he, th- he thought it was great i mean it's it is a great movie i mean it there's something there's something special about that special and classic about that movie um 
Breakfast Club is an interesting choice. I, I, I'll think about that one. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, because I, I do, I do really enjoy that movie. Although I want to, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see if it actually like does hold up. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I, I watched it when I was in high school, so, so I guess it, it did for me. But like, is that, is it a relatable? Um, movie nowadays. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I don't know if they do detention in school anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I never <laughs> even thought about that. Like, did you ever have detention? No. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. No, I didn't really have that. I mean, I guess what there about, was always the what idea what of detention, but I didn't. I is Blade Runner too heavy? Um. Hmm. It's slow. Yeah, it's it, slow. I think it's. I think it. I think you would just get bored, you know. Which is so sad, but I know what you mean. But um, but you know, that's that's kind of how it is. I was I I showed a minority report, and he did fall asleep. But we we started it at like <laughs> at like midnight. Uh, but I think that's a great movie. I I still I oh man, watching it again, just like, it's it's a fantastic movie. I was thinking also like maybe like Catch Me If You Can. Um, or like another, like Spielberg movies, I think, I think generally are pretty, a pretty good choice of being like really fun, but also, you know, they can kind of tackle some heavier themes and, um, and I don't know. They're just, they're just interesting. He watched, um, he watched Ocean's Eleven, uh, which is a great movie. All right. All right. Yeah. And we were going to show him, we were going to show him the Mission Impossible, like the best Mission Impossible movies. So four, five, and six. What about like a, one of those weird like memory movies, like Memento, or like it, what was the one with Tom Cruise? Like Day After, not Day After Tomorrow, but it, it was like Edge of Tomorrow. Is that what it is? Oh yeah, yeah, Edge of Tomorrow, and then they they changed it to Live Die Repeat or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about Memento. Although again, it's it's. I think I think so. We've been watching some of the Nolan movies. We've tra- kind of trying to be to, to introduce him to that, and he's kind of he's kind of said that he doesn't love the the like intercutting that um, that he does. So like maybe Memento wouldn't be a very because it's ba- It's literally all intercuts. It's just backwards, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So yeah. so I don't know. Um, but I I don't know. I think there I think there are definitely still some good options. I'm I want to show him like um I I want to show him some classics. I I I want to introduce him to like noir films. Um I think those would, some mm. of those would be fun. Maybe like um Sunset Boulevard. I just love that movie. I think it's I think it's incredible. Um and Billy Wilder is just he's Have you seen Sunset Boulevard? No. Ooh, you should watch that. It is. I should give it. Is it noir? You said. Yeah, it's a it's a noir film, but it's um. It's it's a little bit different. It's about it's about Hollywood basically, um. It's about a an elder star who's who's like kind of, um, going, going a little bit crazy. Um, what about like Alien or Aliens? Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Probably Aliens because Alien is is like it's really, more fun. Aliens are kind of scary. <laughs> um, <laughs> aliens can get slow though too. It's scary, but it's it's scary because you don't see anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. No, yeah, um, that's true. Cameron, we got to wrap up this episode. Yeah, let's that sounds do it. so fun showing your brother um, a bunch of different movies. Yeah, no, when he I'm, hasn't been exposed to them. I'm I'm excited. I th- I think. I think there's we're he, he, there's such a world of opportunity, you know what I mean? There's so many things that he can watch. Um, so, oh, I think Forrest Gump is another one that yeah that is a great movie. Um, hey, I don't want to cut you off, dude. No, but I've really got to pee, that, so we got to close up this episode. Yeah, let's do it, <laughs> and we got to record another. All one. right, guys. Yeah, we're we're doing another one for Patreon. Hey, we like you guys. We think you're awesome. Thanks for sitting here through the movies. Uh, if you want to tell us some of your favorite movies that helped you grow up, remember you can check us out at Patreon. Send us questions, comments, whatever uh, you want to send us. Cameron should be checking it more or less regularly. Um, we appreciate you guys. And remember, uh, you can get a free monthly episode, even if it's late like this last month. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
just by support us on Patreon. Uh, we hope you guys are staying safe, staying healthy, staying inside, and getting your work done, and we will see you next week. Everything Comes From Something is a fully fan-funded podcast that happens because of listeners like you. And a huge shout-out to our executive producers, Darren O'Neill and Eric and Ariel Walk. Thank you for supporting the show. I know I've been saying that part for the last, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes, but seriously, you guys have been a huge blessing for making sure this podcast continues to go. Remember, if you want to support the show just like they do, you can check us out at patreon.com slash podcast. Throw a couple dollars away. Get a couple benefits. Remember, all the benefits, if you're a Patreon, are done through Patreon. Patreon Messenger. Yes, you can just shoot us a message right there, and boom. We'll see it. We'll put it on air. Um, that's, that's how it works. Take advantage of those. Again, if you don't have money, totally cool. I know. I'm a broke college kid. I get it. You can just tell friends and family. Spread the word about the show. It's a little weird. It's a little quirky. It's a little different. Maybe someone, uh, some of the people or your friends will like it. And you can always give us a rating on iTunes. That seriously helps. Again, we thank you guys for all the support that you give us. We love you, and we will see you next week.